baseball club has played five games. That means there are still 55 to go before anything is proven except for one thing. And I can't wait to get to it. Good morning. Good Wednesday morning to you. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network that brings you this particular program, Daily Shot, every Monday through Friday, very, very early, before you're up, before you even contemplated getting up. I was at the ballpark last night covering the Pirates' 8-6 to victory over the Brewers that, by the way, I couldn't help but think near the end about how wild the crowd would have been through everything that had happened in those final three innings. The great defensive plays, the Adam Frazier two-run homer, uh, Nick Birdie coming on for a dominant first career save, lots and lots of good stuff. People would have really liked it. That was the first time that I'd felt that there was a real shame, you know, that there weren't people in there to appreciate it. They would have gotten behind this team. They would have liked what they saw. They would have felt the character that was out there. This team that was making up for one lousy pitcher, Miguel Del Pazo, who never should have been put in the game, never should have been called up from Altoona earlier in the day. He's terrible. He's been terrible all year. Uh, including Bradenton, summer camp, you name it. He's been just awful. Why he was ever brought here, I, I, I don't understand. There had to be somebody better in Altoona than this guy. That dug the Pirates a 6-2 hole, but they battled out of it, and people would have really, really felt some kinship with this team by the end of the night. You know what they wouldn't have said? You know what they wouldn't have been thinking, much less expressing publicly as so many people have annoyingly gotten to doing in the past week or so? They wouldn't have been talking about tanking or losing on purpose. I know, I know, I I hate even bringing crap like this up. But when it comes at you so often, and I'm pretty active on social media, but I also engage whether it's readers, listeners, viewers, whatever it is, including, you know, out there on the figurative street. And I'm constantly hearing that they're trying to lose or that they want to lose. Let's take this opportunity, this wonderful outcome, this bounce back, in which Derek Shelton, who I tore to shreds, on yesterday's show, and I think rightly so for the decisions that he made Monday night that were passive, that were, I don't know, apprehensive, ambivalent. I'm not even sure what, because they were so nonsensical that I, I just, I can't even find an adjective for them. But he pushed a lot of the right buttons in this one. He pushed a lot of the right buttons. Uh, he brought in players other than Del Pazzo, who, again, never should have been near this stadium. He had guys come up at the right time. He pinch hit in certain situations. He looked like he was being a little bit more aggressive. That was good to see. He brought in Birdie to pitch the ninth inning, even though the other day, you remember when I asked him about it in St. Louis and he got a little bit uh, chippy with me about that. He didn't seem to like the fact that I was bringing up, oh, that you know, guy's only had 16 big league appearances. How can he possibly be your closer? Well, look at him. Watch him. 
But you know what? He brought Birdie back out for this one in the ninth inning, and Birdie got it done. That's good managing. And a good manager, a good coach, and I say this all the time, in any sport, adjusts. It's the number one best trait that a coach or manager can have in any sport is the ability to adjust, to learn from situations or mistakes or opponents' tendencies and adjust. I think he did some of that. I really do. Last night. What he didn't do was quit or fold or tank or any of this other stuff. My goodness, we've reached the point now where every time the Pirates have a bad in no, not even a bad inning, a bad play, every other syllable is about tanking this, throwing that. Watch the team. Watch them compete, not just the players, but watch the moves that are being made by the manager, nobody's throwing any games. Nobody's coming close to such a thing. These guys, I I, I went through this with you yesterday, but the, these guys, Travis Williams, Ben Charrington, Derek Shelton, came from successful situations. They came here as winners, as guys who have won in their respective fields. They didn't come here to lose. They didn't come here to throw something. They didn't come here to tank it. In baseball, for those who don't know, and boy, it sure seems like there are a lot of people who think that everything is like the Mario Lemieux situation from 30 years ago when the Penguins actually did tank it, famously so. Arguably rightly so. <laughs> That's for you, EJ. It's, it's a pointless exercise in baseball. There's never, almost never, I should say, a prospect worth it. Albert Pujols lasted till the seventh round of Major League Baseball's draft. Mike Trout wasn't taken until pick number 24 overall. You have no idea who the number one player, one number one prospect is in a baseball draft. This isn't the NFL draft where they come out and they're 23 years old out of college and they're all well-formed and everything. Uh, this isn't basketball where it's very clear to the whole world watching the NCAA tournament who the best hoopsters are. Baseball, you have no idea. These are children coming out of high school. There's no benefit to tanking. This just isn't that. But even if it were, and the next time you hear somebody suggest it, throws out very casually, oh, if they lose, they get the first overall pick. They might not. One really under-the-radar thing that happened during the coronavirus shutdown and those pretty rancorous talks between Rob Manfred and the owners on one side, Tony Clark and the players on the other, is that somehow the commissioner ended up with the unilateral right to set the draft order as he sees fit in 2021. Now, I have no idea what that means, okay? And you know who else I'll bet doesn't know what that means? Rob Manfred. I'm not even sure why they would have bartered for that latitude, but he has it. It, and it's not even where it's partially set. It's completely vague. 
They literally have no idea how they're going to determine the order. Is there going to be some kind of lottery? Is there going to be a situation where the Astros get punished, the Red Sox get punished? How about punishing the Marlins? I'll get to that in the second segment. They have no idea. So you'd be tanking. If you were the Pirates and you were tanking, you'd be doing that for absolutely nothing. You could end up just like the Red Wings did now in this past NHL draft lottery where they legitimately had the worst record in the NHL and got, I think, completely hosed out of Alexi Lafreniere, who looks like he's going to be a pretty good player in the NHL for a lot of years to come. There isn't someone like that in next year's draft. There's no reason to tank, none whatsoever. Get it out of the vocabulary. Drop it. End it. Find something new. Go back to bashing Bob Nutting. That was easier and actually had at least some basis in fact. This doesn't. This is ridiculous. These guys, hang on. Here, Just listen to Derek Holland's answer when I asked about how this team came back last night versus the previous night. Derek, that's a rough loss for your team last night. I don't think anybody would dispute that. What, what's the? I know you have to zone in on your start when you come in, but what did you gather was the mindset going into today for everybody? Well, we even talked about it last night. As soon as the game was over, when everybody came into the clubhouse, you know, we made sure that they know that, hey, you know what? We fought. Unfortunately, we didn't get the win. You know, we did everything we could. Let's keep that momentum and use that in, into today's game. And I thought the guys did a great job of that. I mean, the defense showed up. They were making plays. The offense did their part. And, came out on top. So, I mean, it's, as long as we continue to do that every single time and we compete to win every series that we play in, I think we're going to be just fine. So we're not too stressed out. The guys are there. They're performing. They're doing what they need to. They're working hard. There's, there's always going to be that fight. So, I mean, there's a lot of great things that you're seeing from this team. Yeah, those guys are all in on the con, right? I mean, come on. You know what? Just to make sure that I really pound this seven feet deep, though, I'm going to throw in one other thing. If you're going to tank, for whatever reason, in this case it would be a fallacious one, why would you keep Josh Bell? You know, why wouldn't you just go full bore, as I've been saying all along, as it relates to when people bring up rebuilding. When you do a true rebuild in the model of the Rays and the Marlins and other teams that are kind of historically good at it, you don't hold on to those guys. You move your major league guys like Reynolds and Newman when they have all those years of control left because that's when they're worth the most. That's when you get the greatest prospect haul. You get four or five good prospects or, or two, three really, really good ones and try to build something through numbers. Build up your minor league system. Turn it into a winner that way. They didn't do any of that. If you're tanking, you don't keep Josh Bell and 37 home runs and 114 RBIs last year on your roster if you're tanking. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Just stop saying it. When I come back, I'm going to switch this up to the Marlins, but a little bit more to it than that. Enjoyed being back in PNC Park 
last night for a real game. Aside from, you know, as I'd mentioned in the first segment, it would have been nice to hear the fans cheering Adam Frazier's ball off the bat. Um, I can't begin to tell you how strange it was that as that ball was flying out there, and it didn't take long. I mean, he, he murdered it. The only sound you could hear was from the Pirates' dugout, and they were loud. I mean, Derek Shelton was joking about it after the game, saying, you know, there's, they actually raised their own level of volume there compared to what they'd been doing over the first handful of games. That was the loudest that they'd been. That's neat. It's at that point in the game, as they go later, you'll see the players start moving from those tents, you know, those adjacent tents around the dugout that's supposed to promote the social distancing and everything. They start congregating a little bit tighter inside the dugout. They want to be around each other. They want to support each other. And they they let Frazier hear it the whole way around the bases. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. You know what else it was? Baseball as usual. Business as usual. It was only 48 hours ago that the initial news of the Miami Marlins sent everybody into apoplectic panic. It wasn't a matter of, are they canceling baseball? It's, are they canceling all sports? Are they canceling civilization? Because the Marlins had and have an ongoing outbreak. So some new information within the past day is, I think, vital to share in light of everyone's response when it first came out. One is that, according to Bob Nightingale, the USA Today national baseball writer for a few years now, the Marlins apparently went out having a good time when they were in Atlanta. They broke the rules. Those rules are already in place. Major League Baseball didn't make those things recommendations. Um, No, baseball doesn't have a bubble the way the NHL and NBA do, but it does have rules. All 30 teams are expected to adhere to those rules. The Pirates, by all accounts, have been really, really good at this. The rules don't just involve washing your hands and six feet and masks and everything else. They also involve, and primarily involve actually, from everything I've heard from the Pirates, Steelers, and Penguins, behavior. Making sure you're not being a fool. Don't be going to bars and nightclubs and wherever else and banging bodies and everything else, you know, with strangers. That's where almost all of the recent outbreaks across the United States have started, according to the CDC, according to a lot of local governments. And it happened right here in Pittsburgh just three weeks ago. There are rules. The rules were in place. The Marlins broke the rules. And then, over the weekend, knowingly didn't tell anybody that they knew that some of their players had either tested positive or had been exposed. And so 
these dopes took the field under Don Mattingly's approval, the manager, the field manager, and risked the health of the Philadelphia Phillies, the grounds crew, the umpires, and a lot of other people, everyone really who was considered Tier 1, meaning at field level, at Citizens Bank Park over the weekend. And now they ended up messing up five different teams' schedules, including their own. They are, uh, what's the word baseball's using for it now? The Marlins themselves are postponed or something like that until next Monday, pending the results of some other tests. Punish the Marlins. Throw the book at them. How is Don Mattingly still holding his job while you're at it? Derek Jeter put out another statement. He's now the owner, if you don't know that, uh, or, or a, a controlling owner of the Marlins. As we have all along, our first first and foremost care is the players' safety and whatever else. Sorry, man. <laughs> that, that train's out of the station. The Marlins blew it. The positive in this is that Major League Baseball also made known yesterday that all of the people who have tested positive across the scope of Major League Baseball since last Friday, every last one of them is affiliated with the Miami Marlins. No exceptions. It's a zero for everyone else. That's good. That tells you that this wasn't necessarily, or really at all, some epic failure of MLB's system. MLB's taken a really big hit over the last couple of days in the news. Uh, I'm far from someone to speak up for Manfred and defend him. But baseball's protocol is there. It's in place, and it's working, all except for the Marlins. Not because the Marlins got unlucky, but because they were A, stupid, and B, broke the rules. That could happen in any setting, bubble or not. I don't know the name of the, the NBA dude. I think he plays for Sacramento who left the NBA bubble because he wanted to order some pizza or something like that or just got sick of being in there and just went out to pick up a pizza, and he ends up getting suspended for 10 days. Whatever The NBA had a rule for it, but if that guy decides unilaterally, one guy or one small group of people like the Marlins say, you know what, heck with this. We're getting sick of this. We are out of here. We're going to break the rules. We're going to do this. They can do that. And then after they do it, they can also lie like Mattingly and the Marlins did. There's nothing you can do to stop that. There's nothing you can do to prevent it in the moment. You can try to prevent other teams from flouting your rules, ideally by really punishing the Marlins and everybody involved. But you can't stop someone from committing the crime, so to speak, just as you can't in the streets either. You can put in all kinds of preventative measures and everything else, but if someone really wants to commit the crime, they can just go ahead and do it and then suffer the consequences after. That's what happened here. Baseball didn't mess up. The Marlins did. 
baseball didn't mess up either by continuing to play, as we're going to see. We've already seen in these last couple of days, amid all this panic, how can they play? How can they keep going? But 75 zillion epidemiologists, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it for as many times as I've read the word, epidemiologists. Not a word that should ever roll off the tongue anyway, right? But 75 billion of these guys uh, say that there's no way Major League Baseball continue, and there's no way that the National Football League, especially with players making contact, that they'll ever continue. But they are, and they're going to, and they're going to isolate when somebody screws up, whether it's accidental, even if it's handled perfectly, as in the case with Gregory Polanco and the Pirates, or if it's something that's done recklessly, even maliciously, the way the Marlins did. All you can do is deal with those things after the fact. But now we have had our first case, our first real outbreak in sports, and now we've seen that baseball is making it through it. And early next week when the Marlins retake the field, and you know that they will, it's going to be another team that's found a way to make it back, the first team really, from this the schedule will proceed. If the Marlins end up playing fewer than 60 games, nobody cares anyway. But baseball's even there saying that they'll just go by winning percentage then. Big deal. They don't feel the need to make up those games. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing stopping baseball from proceeding as it is. Nothing stopping football from proceeding the way it does. Follow the rules and force the rules. Coming up today at 11 a.m., our daily Pirates pod featuring Alex Stumpf and Noah Hiles will be available here on the DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. Thank you for listening to this one. I'm going to be back at the ballpark tonight looking forward to more. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your bike, your computer, your window, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home, car, and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you own a firearm, it's your responsibility to store it safely when it's not in use. Choose a system that works for you. Cable locks, lock boxes, and gun safes are some of the most effective ways to protect your family and keep firearms secured. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure and find out how to get a free firearm safety kit. Visit projectchildsafe.org. That's projectchildsafe.org. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance.